That's all I got. Jazzy. I don't think it's. I don't think it's copyright. I think it just made it up. So, if anybody recognizes that tune, even even if there's something that's vaguely recognizable, I think it's off enough from anything that it resembles to be not not the exact same thing. Unlike the Mario stuff that we've been doing this whole time. Well, listeners. Boop boop boop. So we got it. <laughs> this is Jesse. We're gonna get sued. This has been your introduction. I'm just <laughs> copyright law and domain law, and you know, I'm just don't trying to give John more work steal. for the editing process. <laughs> well, I, I accidentally popped my it. knuckles uh, while recording, so I've already got that fucked up. So there you yeah. go. All right. Well, I mean, if you leave it in, it's okay. We'll just disclaim that belongs to Nintendo, not us. Uh, y'all know it. We all right. know it. Everybody gets the song stuck in their head. It's not just me, so it's fine. They yeah, actually, they, I've heard suggested that all. if you want to study or do something that's going to take a long time that you put on Nintendo music, uh, because it's specifically designed to, to, keep, you, to keep you going. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so, like, I if could you, see that. Yeah. So Until you hear that part. Until it's like hurrying up because you're about to die. Yeah. Oh fuck! I need to finish this paper. And then the music runs out and you die. Yeah. And just just like in the video game too, you turn towards some unknown camera and go, and then sink down into the ground. That does feel like that's how I want to go. Late on a homework assignment. There is a home video that my brother and I uh, have watched. Um, it's our favorite. If it's it's one of our favorite home video moments because it's at his like his birthday party, I think, and he's just gotten a Nintendo Game Boy, and um, like the old gray boxy ones, and he got Mario to go with it, and I got to play with it for a little bit so all you hear in the background while like he's opening up his other presents and shit is me dying over and over and over again because I can't do it I keep running into that little Goomba at the very beginning of the first wait is he older uh, or younger than you he's younger than I am and you were that bad at it I was pretty I mean it was it was the new it was a brand new thing okay I had never done it before, so yeah. But it's really hilarious because that, that little song and, and the little, I died. <laughs> and then, of course, after you die five times, it does the really sad, like, you're really bad at this. <laughs> you dumb fuck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. So, anyway, home videos. If you've got them, watch them because... I guarantee you, you're dumb too. <laughs> there's something, there's something that you did as a kid that was really dumb. This may be why my parents never owned a video camera. <laughs> Maybe exactly why they were like, "Nope, we don't, we don't need them." Looking back, up, this is right. Wow. We don't want to, we don't want to well, hurt your prospects in the future. I think that's, I think that's one of the problems with the older generations that didn't grow up with having cameras, like immediately around you all the time, because they mm-hmm. keep bitching about how people are doing dumb shit, like eating a spoonful of cinnamon or 
taking uh eating tide pods or doing stuff for crapping st- on stupid their friends. Crapping Y'all, on their friends. they thought that smoking was healthy so and they I'm, can suck a dick. I'm sitting here going, "Oh, <laughs> believe me, if you had had cameras, you would be doing the same dumb shit. If you'd had the gram, like, you would have posted dumb shit too." You mm-hmm. you cannot tell me that previous generations didn't do absolutely stupid shit for I mean, for no they started World War 1 and World War 2. No. <laughs> That was for glory, and that's always a good idea. Oh, okay, okay. Vietnam also, huh? Yes, that too. Also, that was, that was that Vietnam was... was like eating Tide Pods, but worse. Okay? <laughs> it was like Just eating Tide little... Pods, but literally everyone dies. Yeah. Of napalm. You're eating yeah. napalm. That's what it is. Yeah. But like, but I think that's a valid point, John. I think that's a very valid point. If y'all had had readily available hand cameras all the time, you. Yeah. Your stupidity would be... Re- and actually, I have older relatives, like my great... Like, I don't know. I guess my dad's cousins. Cousin, second cousin once removed. Second cousin... Anyway. Um, that post stuff on Facebook, like, I'm really glad that we didn't have smartphones around when I was a kid. Because <laughs> for sure. all my stupidity has been forgotten. Yeah. Uh, well, it's just like whenever they're like, oh, yes, our... our- grandparents and great-grandparents were of a they had a different moral fiber and i'm like you remember they were alive during the like the roaring 20s right when everybody (laughs) was like hella drunk and cheating on their wives and they put cocaine in soda that's not exactly like "Mm, (laughs) i'm not exactly i would and they put cocaine in soda okay that's i saw me i shared the meme i don't know if i shared it with you guys or what I shared the meme that was like, Grandma says that she got three times as much done back in her day. Yes, well, back in Grandma's day, they put cocaine in soda. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I was <laughs> watching a video that was like, a doctor reacts to medical memes. And one of them, it showed, a, it showed an old-timey like medicine bottle. And it was like, however much percent heroin. And then <laughs> there was like some... Like, clearly poisonous things in there. And it was just like, Jesus Christ, how did anybody survive this? Yeah. Um, But yeah, good times. And now we're all, like, worried about having deformed children from, like, taking a Tylenol. And I'm like... Yeah. What were those kids that were born to the ladies drinking Coca-Cola in the 20s like? Yeah, yeah, Coca-Cola. Or just straight up alcohol and smoking and just... Man... Watching Victoria and she goes to a party and she knows she's pregnant. And she's just drinking like straight up martinis, mm-hmm. which are not light on the alcohol. Yeah. Oh, boy. She had to have right. nine just to, you know, make up for anyway. Just to make deficit. sure that, yeah. <laughs> <Whew>. Aw. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway. No, it's. <laughs> Inbreeding didn't help. But sorry, royal family. Well, I think this is actually a good lead into talking about uh, Emily's <laughs> TED Talks. STEM literacy. Because there was something definitely lacking way back when. And uh, it might have also just been STEM completely. <laughs> like, I don't know how much, like, how much science was really going into that. Let's try heroin to cure our patients. Like, I mean, it is a It seems killer. to make them happier, so that's probably yeah, good. Painkiller. That's, that's just like, we find well, out honestly, later that bad painkillers are bad. Yeah. It's just. Honestly, during a time, though, when medical science was basically uh, based on just your moods, right? Because, it, oh, what did they call your it? Humors. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, your humors. Like, oh, he's just this. Give him this and he'll feel better. Well, of course he feels better. You just pumped him full of <laughs> meth. Like, 
It's a good strategy. He's up and yeah. down. Right. That's how Papa Joe, Grandpa Joe got out of bed and <laughs> the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. How did you do that? It's the heroin. It's, yeah. No, the heroin keep him in the bed. Oh, meth yeah. that gets him it's out. It's the meth. Yeah. Yeah, definitely the meth. No, so uh, once upon a time, medical history was, hey, fuck around and find out. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Just pour a bunch of shit in a beaker and see what happens. <laughs> that's Better yet, use a, use a fresh corpse that you stole from <laughs> the ditch. Yep. And, or and practice on people that don't have rights. My, my favorite is actually like, yeah. I'm uh, sorry. See, my my favorite is uh, Roman medicine, which is really loosely based on Greek medicine. So Greek medicine, way back when, was we're gonna test this sh- like this poisonous shit out on slaves, which is horrifying. Mm-hmm. Roman medicine was like, rub this urine on you and see if that helps. Jeez. So anyway, <laughs> so that's why we need to be more STEM literate, guys. Yes. Right. Emily Kondrelli has a point. Which is why we need uh, more Emily Calandrelli in our lives, either on uh, Netflix or on YouTube. Still hoping that if Netflix is dumb and doesn't pick up more seasons of Emily's Wonder Lab, she will just figure out a way to do her own show on YouTube. Yeah, for real. Um, That's a show I could get behind on YouTube. I watched four of her TED Talks. Uh, I watched Making Science Nicer Stupid. I don't do math. Space exploration is the worst and exploring STEM literacy, Um, which the I don't do math one, I feel like touched more on STEM literacy than the exploring STEM literacy titled one. Um, I kind of I kind of went halfway like I was I was like, yes, I agree with like almost literally everything you're saying, but also she's like really like Elon Musk positive, and I hate that guy. Um, <laughs> and like, as much as she's like, I think it's really great that we're um, sending people into space and that we're trying to colonize Mars. There's a lot of technological benefits to this for the human race. There's a lo- there is. I think there is. I think that science has a lot to offer. And I do actually I, think that space exploration in particular has a lot to offer. But I, I just need to note on that thing where she was like in the, the longer one, the making, you know, what was the STEM literacy mm-hmm, talk yeah. with Google, where she was like, you know, everybody's had something from space technology that's touched their lives. And she listed off like, some kind of, I mean, things that are around, but kind of esoteric. Y'all, ballpoint pens, in case you didn't know, the United States invented ballpoint pens so that astronauts could write in space. Okay? Everybody in their life has used a ballpoint pen, and that was created by NASA, and NASA scientists, we spent a lot of money on it, it was very stupid, um, to create a pen that could write in space in zero gravity without ink going everywhere. And the Russians just sent wax pencils. But anyway, ballpoint pens. (laughs) (laughs) She didn't bring up ballpoint pens. And I was like, Emily, ballpoint pens. If you you want people to realize how much, how deeply space technology has touched their lives and changed their lives, ballpoint pens. Maybe that's because everybody uses gel pens now. Well, no, gel pens have a ballpoint in them. Oh, okay. Never mind then. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, almost all pens have a ballpoint. There are very few pens out there that don't now. Um, there are some, but very few, very, very many of them have, have ball points in them. <clears throat> Fair enough. But they could have right, just well, waxed pencils. <laughs> <laughs> Would have saved a lot of money. 
But then a lot of people have made money on ballpoint pens, so it's okay. It's fine. It's fine, guys. It's fine. Anyway, Emily, go ahead. Carry on, John. Yes, I'm there. Sorry. <laughs> I, was, I was just going <laughs> so to say, sorry. like, I read, I read something about, like, people are like, the Russians just used a pencil. I've never heard wax pencil, um, but then I've heard that... When they when they say that the Russians use a pencil, they were like, "Yes, but the graphite flakes off and gets into the equipment and can fuck it up," and no, that's why we wax spend pencil. a lot. All, I don't know. I don't know what's true. I read it off of memes, so I'm like, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to be like, "Oh well," but I read this from a legitimate source. No, I just, I like, I read the pictures, okay. so I don't know what's. I, I read the pictures. <laughs> I read the pictures. That's like wow. That's life in 2021. Yeah. Uh, no, so a disclaimer, I do only know this through um, family telling me this, but it was family that worked for NASA, so I did not research that myself. I did not fact check them, but they do work for NASA. And they worked for NASA in the 60s. You trusted a scientist? <laughs> and they worked to... for NASA in the 60s, to be clear. <laughs> so you trusted a scientist uh, yes. to know what they were talking about? about their I mean, own field I, it, good, good now that I'm thinking about it honestly I mean they weren't it's they didn't invent the ballpoint pen they were involved in that project so I mean maybe they just heard it at the wrong. water cooler at NASA also my family's a little weird and makes a lot of jokes and you don't always know when they're telling you the truth so maybe I should fact check this <laughs> but, but I do believe that ballpoint pens were no, fuck. This says John J. Loud invented the ballpoint pen and patented it in, 19, in 1888. See, this is why we need more literacy. I should have checked that shit. The Jennifer! <laughs> Uncle Jim! <laughs> fuck! So, Uncle Jimmy, damn it. This is my favorite recording ever. <laughs> <laughs> my, second, oh, my second point is, I've never heard of wax pencils, but it sounds a lot like crayons. And I really yeah. want the... Really want the Russians to be like, so we have drawn up our plans. Is that crayon? Yes, it is. Be quiet. <laughs> Do not interrupt. <laughs> Blue is my favorite. Are okay? you? Are you? You don't have to be really sensitive about your crayons. Deadpool does the same thing. It's fine, guys. It really is. Oh no! But NASA did develop a space pen, and it's the—I think it's the gel pens. <gasps> gel pens, you but say? The project <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it says the project NASA, in reality, NASA began to develop a space pen, but when development costs skyrocketed, the project was abandoned and astronauts went back to using pencils along with the Soviets. God damn it, Uncle Jimmy. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> All right, wow. Okay, so we're getting way off track. Anyway, Emily Calandrelli, you were right. I thought so, it, ballpoint pens so, don't matter. So, John, <laughs> as you... <laughs> Nothing matters anymore. I've been lied to my whole life. <laughs> Everything I've ever known also, is a maybe sham. maybe don't trust scientists. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Jennifer, don't you dare. So, so what I'm hearing now is that the memes that I were reading, that I was reading, are now more accurate than the scientists <laughs> that you. You're no. really <laughs> fucking this up for science literacy, Jennifer. You're really fucking things up. Every anti-vaxxer who ever gets their hands on this episode is going to be like, see, see, Jennifer fucked up. She trusted a scientist. Got to trust memes like that John guy. I'm going to become the poster child for anti-vaxxers now. Oh, no. No, I think, I think, I think the, the key point to take away here is which scientists you trust. And if they're in my family, they're probably just yanking your leg for fun. And they're smart and they know the real stuff, but they're just fucking with you. Oh, God. Because they can't. 
So don't trust the scientists in your own family. Good. <laughs> you know, Got it. In my family, specifically. Oh, you're okay. Specifically, the people related to me, they're weird and funny, but... Uh, I anyway, I'll have to tell you I a funny thing about... I think this is about... where we should just stop. <laughs> like, please just... Please just go listen to Emily Calandrelli because she knows what she's talking about. Do not listen to Jennifer's Uncle Jim. Yeah, no, no, it's true. It's true. Any of them. I have like four. They're all crazy. Don't listen. Oh, my God. I'm crying. Anyway, so Emily. <laughs> so Emily Calandrelli's uh, STEM literacy and the math one. I really thought, like, I agree with John that she really touched a lot on stem literacy in the math one more than the stem literacy one all the stem literacy one was like how do we get people involved in stem how do we yeah. interest people who aren't interested like that was a little bit more fluffy um well i mean it was it was an interview and not a direct talk that she was giving right um i thought that i don't do math one uh that actually talked about stem literacy was kind of hilarious because like this was i think just when we were getting into the trump administration and, like, mm -hmm. Betsy DeVos was, like, taking a picture in front of her bookshelf that was empty. And Trump was taking a picture in front of his bookshelf that was empty. And she was like, there are some people who don't value STEM literacy. And I was like, you mean the whole fucking administration? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> yeah. And, like, she does, she does talk about conservatives and Republicans and their lack of trust of experts. And, I, like, I, I agree. I think there's some especially in the whole making science nicer stupid thing was uh her whole point was if you attack people for not agreeing with scientists that doesn't make them more inclined to agree with scientists so mm -hmm. um my point is i'm not trying to persuade people i'm just trying to call them stupid and uh <laughs> so you I, are the person she's imitating in that title yes essentially so can I talk about that? Or, yeah, sorry, go for go it. Ahead, go for John. it. Yeah. So in that um, in that TED Talk, uh, I, I also watched Making Science Nicer Stupid. And she totally got me. Like, she's, uh, she opens it up. It's a very combative opening. Um, and she's saying, you know, if you don't, if you believe that the earth is flat, then you're probably an idiot. If you believe that human-based climate change isn't real, then you're probably stupid. And then she pivots totally and is like, these aren't helpful. These aren't helpful things to say. And more importantly, they're inaccurate. Um, and I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> I just got called out like a little bit. Nodding along. Because I was like nodding along like, mm-hmm, you're right, Emily. I'm like, oh, my God, yes. So it's a very combative opening. Um, and it it really, it's tough because as I was watching it and as I realized what she was doing, I think it only pays off if you're someone who doesn't need to be convinced that the earth is round or that climate change is real. Because if you are one of those people, you immediately turned it off after that. You didn't get to the point where she says, what I just said is not good to say. Yeah. Um, so it's, she it's just really... It was it was a good opening, but at the same time, it was like oh, I don't know if this is really going to help people. I think she may have gotten a little bit. Uh, I, some people may have gotten a little farther into it because one of the things she does that I noticed was she starts off with the Earth being flat, and if you don't mm -hmm. believe in that, then you're dumb. And then she moves to climate change, which is a little bit more complex, and you can you can ask more questions about it without mm -hmm. being wholesale like like the Earth being round. You. 
that's just, I feel like a basic thing. And then she puts up this equation and is like, and if you can't derive this equation, then you're probably an idiot. And I was like, um, no, because like most of us can't. I and still so, count like, on my fingers. Yeah, least, exactly. So I can't, you could just can't chill. Um, <laughs> but uh, she, she does that where you're like, okay, well, that's clearly, you've got to be facetious with that because... If, you, mm-hmm. if you're convinced that people who can't derive that equation are idiots, then maybe you're just, I don't know, an idiot yourself or kind of an you're asshole. Yeah. And so, like, yeah. but, but I, I, think she, I think she does that intentionally because she starts with something that's so obvious that it's hard to believe that people can deny it, that the Earth is not, in fact, flat. It is a sphere. Uh, and then she gets into the middle topic being something that people can, like, deny or accept parts of or like understand little bits from what they've mm-hmm. heard from different places and then to something that well no it takes an expert to do this and then she hits home with the whole these things are not like not only inaccurate but also unhelpful yeah. and so I think I think it was a really clever opening that she used although oh, I do I do still think that if you think the earth is flat then you are an idiot <laughs> I'm st- I am hardcore sticking to that one. Well, it's hard because uh, when you're presented with all of this evidence, right, like, the sign. I mean, it, it, that's where it gets tricky. It, it's, it, at some point you have to say, wow, these people have made, like, a living studying this, or even if they're not making a living, they're obviously passionate about the subject, and they've shown all of this data, and it's been corroborated and backed up over, for flat for for the earth is round thing like centuries now right yeah so um so if you're still denying that then i it's idiocy is i don't know like if you're if we want to call people stupid but there's definitely just willful ignorance that is just really hard to kind of get past for sure but um she did point uh, she made a point in this um ted talk that i think is so often forgotten about today and is so needed and that's that you can be two things at once that are seemingly at least contradicting each other so like she talks about how in west virginia where she grew up she's a proud west virginian uh, people have a really hard time believing in climate change science because their whole deal is coal and she grew up there and that's what she learned and then she left west virginia and she started studying uh, you know, entered the sciences and started learning all of this other stuff that just wasn't being taught to her because it wasn't the interest, you know, it wasn't in the interest of the state to be um, really pressing that message home. So she's learning all of this new stuff and now she's, you know, um, a, a, an active voice for uh, climate change science. Um, but she still is a West Virginian at heart. So, like, I really appreciated that it wasn't the whole point of the TED talk, but it was the it was the concept that I think is so necessary today. Like you can be two things at once, and sometimes you can be uh, two things at once, and it, it really is hard to wrap your head around. Like when you meet a you know somebody in the medical field who, for instance, in our current situation, is anti-vax, and it's like how do you go to work every day? And, and see what, you know, this current uh, pandemic situation is doing to bodies and then also not vaccinate. 
and and, and not advocate for that. about science like, yeah. right and how so how does you know but it's it's possible those two things can exist in the same space so but, I, I think just understanding that is going to be really important for people to be able to talk about because when you talk about science apparently now you're also going to have to talk about politics like they're yeah. they're intricately entwined now for whatever I mean, reason and her talks do that her talks do a yeah, lot of that i was going to say to you guys's point about how her intro might have driven people who are flat earthers or climate change deniers away from listening to the video i don't think that video is meant for them i think that video is meant for us that's, that's exactly. yeah. meant for people who already believe the science on this but are driving people who don't believe it and need to be convinced away uh, by calling them stupid. Something I'd like to talk about a little bit on that video was how she was talking about in order to reach more people with good science, with good scientific empirically based facts, um, it's helpful to know their backgrounds like socially and politically and even geographically, like what's around them and emotionally even. And um, my thought when I was hearing that was, that's what the humanities are good for. Yeah. Like, that's why mm -hmm. being good at reading literature can help you understand people's backgrounds. And that's something that STEM really doesn't focus on. Like, when people are talking about, when schools are talking about STEM, they're talking right. about cutting humanities. They're talking right. about cutting foreign right. languages and all the things that make humans human mm -hmm. and they're they're saying well we need more stem and i'm like well if you lose the humanities then you lose your humanity like come on guys you you, you ha we have to keep practicing this and that's i think i think emily right. calandrelli has a pretty good grasp on that yeah well she's a uh, i think she, she does but she doesn't actually talk about keeping the humanities it. she's yeah. just talking about let's not be assholes which i do agree with sort of i well, am but an asshole, she's so. also she's in a very specific uh role as a science communicator that's what she talked yep. about that's mm -hmm. her profession so it would be awesome yeah if she talked about like learn you know go into communications go into marketing go into uh the arts so that you can find ways to express these crazy science concepts um you know and, and get that out there she doesn't do that at least in any ted talk that i saw but she, her um her whole vibe is i'm here to talk about science in a way that is relatable in a way that is um not off-putting um unless i'm doing a clever ted talk for like really snooty liberals <laughs> 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 and uh which it it worked but um you know it, she's she's hitting a she's got a key demographic that she's kind of i think shooting toward and it would be awesome if she could start a foundation or something or a show where she does invite um history professors or um ling you know like here's how you we talk about this in other languages or in other cultures where these concepts are either totally foreign or kind of like you know i don't know anti-religious and and how do you how do you get across to this this culture of people uh you know that vaccines are good and that could be even in our own <laughs> united yeah. states where it's it's you know clusters of anti-government um groups that that just don't trust what's coming out of any administration let alone you know what we've seen it, in the past 
four years. It's interesting so. you're talking about the multiculturalism and then you brought it to vaccines because that's actually been a worldwide issue for a long time. It's trying to bridge cultural gaps so that science can bring life-saving medicine mm -hmm. to certain areas in the world where there are conspiracy theories that the polio vaccine is killing kids or something like there's there's pockets yeah. in the world where it's been really hard to eradicate polio because the polio vaccine people don't want to take it because they have this belief for cultural and political reasons that these outsiders from these western countries are coming in to harm us with this these shots and so it's it's interesting that sure. you brought that the cultural thing back to the anti-vaxxers in america because it's been a problem worldwide for a while Right, yeah. Well, and it, and I guess we were kind of naive to think that something like that didn't exist here too. Yeah. Um, and I don't want to make it all about vaccines. I mean, that's just the reality we're living in right now. So I think that's what everybody's talking about, and everybody's trying to understand it. And this TED Talk uh, by Emily Calandrelli is really helpful one to watch if you're struggling with how do I talk to my loved ones or how do I talk on Facebook about about this issue that we're all facing and then not alienate people, you right. know? Um, and John had a, a good point about bringing the humanities into it, or at least finding a way to uh, infuse the sciences with humanities skills, because that's really what it's going to take at this point. And that's what they're doing right now. You know, when they're sending, um, people door to door leaders. and yeah community leaders they're it's they're saying okay we can't have the doctors and the scientists talk about this anymore because it's not going anywhere we need to have people in the community who that community trusts who will be willing to listen and kudos to arkansas uh governor hutchinson i don't agree with him in a lot of his politics or a lot of decisions he's made but he has been doing a lot of town halls and he's been traveling arkansas to uh, address the vaccine issue and encourage people to get vaccinated and and let them ask questions and he's not a scientist but he's you know his team has recognized that maybe they're the he's the only one they'll listen to you know they, they voted for him so maybe they'll listen to him when he says it's okay so yeah, anyway i lose re-election if he ever tries to run again i think he's <laughs> oh, i thought he was on i think he's retired yeah yeah he yeah so anyway, so, it, it, the the TED Talk is worthwhile because it, it it would help us talk about a number of different scientific topics that are, for whatever reason, politicized um, and, and difficult to talk about without feeling like you're stepping on toes or, you know, walking on eggshells. Right. Um, she really brought up some really good points on how to do that. Guys, I just realized we didn't really introduce our topic for the day. Today we're discussing Emily Calandrelli's TED Talks from Emily's Wonder Lab because we covered Emily's Wonder Lab previously and we saw that she had a lot of other content not necessarily aimed at children and we were interested in the content she was creating. So there's your intro. <laughs> If yeah, John, can you just podcast. put that in the yeah. put that in the beginning? Or is, is that, that just... what we were talking about? I was on a totally different... <laughs> John's just worried about those flat earthers. Yeah. I think John kind of talked about it at the beginning. Like, I think we opened with Emily Calandrelli. Hopefully people picked up on what that is, yeah. who that is. Uh, yeah, if you so... don't get... Can I do... Can I do... Uh, 
for if people don't get a chance to watch a TED Talk? It was about, what, maybe 20 minutes? Yeah, they were more or less 15, 16 minutes, and then yeah. there was the one 40-minute one. But even that yeah. one was a pretty easy listen. And the yeah. action, so, like, the 40-minute one went on for about 20, 26 minutes, and then they opened it up to questions um, to yeah. the audience. So that was, I think that was a worthwhile lesson, uh, no matter what, even though it was a little bit longer than the others. For sure. I just want to do like a quick summary, uh, because I do think this one is worth watching, but if you don't have the time, I think it's worth summarizing for you if you're still listening at this point if you haven't been like uh politics and talking about things that i'm worried about every day no um i get it but um so in the making science nicer stupid she talks about bridging the knowledge gap um, and being able to talk with and this is specifically about uh not specifically she was using uh you know people who believe in the power of coal um versus people who believe in climate science um but you can apply it to anything. Uh, she says, first, to learn learn how to listen to the communities that you want to, uh, to, to reach um, and respect and empathize with them. Respect them, empathize, find commonalities, and reject this idea that, if you, uh, that because you're smart, you don't have to be nice. John, that one's for you. Um, <laughs> And she I'm, put up, sorry, what? I'm not mean because I'm smart. I'm mean because lots of other people are dumb. <laughs> it's Looking other at people's you, problems. Looking at it's, you. It's other people's <laughs> problems. Um, she put up a bunch of pictures and she was like, this idea of people uh, getting a pass for being rude just because they're smart is everywhere. And I was like, holy shit, Emily, you're right. She put up a picture of House. Uh, from mm-hmm. the the show titled House, Sherlock Holmes, Sheldon from um, oh crap, I just lost the name of it. Big Bang, Big Bang Theory. Big Bang, yeah, Big Bang Theory. I was like, wow, that is too true. And then I immediately thought of Jeff Goldblum's uh, character in Jurassic Park. <laughs> he was such an <laughs> asshole, but he was super smart. I was like, damn it, and he was hot. Uh, <laughs> so, I, I remember. Jesse's type is like. I remember um, thinking totally when Goldblum. she was when she was bringing up those people, I was like, all of those people are uh, fictional characters who have been well written, um, but also their snarky meanness is the only thing that people can imitate easily, like and relate to somehow. Yeah, um, yeah. anybody can come up with a clever quip. Uh, Without without a team of writers, but it's hard to be a medical genius or a, a physicist genius or just well, a Sherlock and, Holmes genius. And that's often the excuse that they make for people like that. It's like he's so smart, he wasn't able to relate to anybody, so he has to. You know, he was he's just mean because he who's he going to relate to? He's spouting off all of these equations and you know, blah, 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 and and nobody gets him, so they're mean to him. So, of course, he's had to kind of, like, hide in his little shell. I don't know. I, I don't... I, I think that I, she made better. a point. I think her point applies better to, like, House and Sherlock than to Sheldon. For sure. I think Sheldon might just Sheldon's be... on the spectrum. Yeah, Sheldon's, a, <laughs> Sheldon's a, a little... He's a little different. I don't know if he's mean so much. It's just not socially there. But, right. uh... But uh, but House, House and, and Sherlock 
have interactions and relationships, they're just jerks. And they're jerks, it seems, because they think they're smarter than everyone else and everyone should right. just listen to them. And right. that's a problem. Um, the second thing she says, so first, learn to listen to your communities and don't uh, don't be rude just because you know you're right, basically. Um, then so number two hard. is remember that people that you talk to care about different stuff than you do and so find a way to relate what you're talking about to stuff that they care about um and don't assume that you know what they care about that's where the listening comes in um ask them you know what it is that's important to them how what they see as sustainable in their lives and then relate whatever the science topic is to that So I thought it was super helpful and like, of course, as, as a, a non-practicing counselor, I was basically taking notes like, how, you know, this is, this is great. This is stuff that I learned, you know, when I was in grad school and, and I never thought about applying it to um, having conversations about science that everybody is now mired in because of our current reality. So there you go. Yeah, it was really it was a really useful and good TED talk, and she covered a lot of a lot of space. I really found that like she went deep on coal in West Virginia because she's at West Virginia University, mm-hmm. um, and and I found that fascinating, like how she took apart like how people are brought up and what they're taught from an early age will affect their beliefs later on, mm-hmm. and you've got to address that if you're going to talk to them about these things and try to change their mind. You can't just blow past that and say well that was wrong get over it right I will say um, as much as I have very little compassion like I I, this that (laughs) TED talk really did convict me like yes I'm like oh god yeah I gotta be nice to people but um, (laughs) darn it (laughs) and it I I think she does have a really uh, a lot of really good points Uh, I do agree that science needs to be more more about outreach than just telling people what's right and wrong and right and what yeah mocking what them the, for not accepting it right how can you not understand this data like uh look there's numbers and letters in that equation so i'm at a loss <laughs> there's a little symbol in there that i've never seen before so we might have to back up a few hundred steps i was really good at math in school but i haven't done it in so long like i haven't had to like exercise that muscle in so long that i i am now one of those people that i'm like math oh gosh (laughs) but i feel bad about that now well i uh one of the things that she said in her exploring stem literacy talk was that she never really was one of the like quickest learners and I relate to that really well too like I'm a very smart person but I unless it's about languages I take a while to really get all the information and really like it just takes it takes me longer Mm -hmm. um and that's something that I think now like as an adult in my 30s I actually am really interested by mathematics and science and I have some like really basic embarrassing like science for dummies sort of things uh, on my reading list, but uh, I, I, too, I like those. That's not stupid. I like those things just because 
now I don't have a time limit. Now I'm not basing my career on it. Now I've found yes. some stability. And so I'm like, okay, I can, I can take the time to be a slow learner about this stuff and not need it to like, I, I, there's no standard, there's no testing. There's just, I'm doing it for the interest of learning something. Yeah. Your whole uh, school career is not writing on the fact that you are not learning fast enough. Exactly. Right. So you guys want to tell me about the, um, space exploration is the worst because that's the one that I did not get to. That one is, is that one the one for snarky liberals, Jesse? Is that one the one you were citing? Also, it also, it, it's I don't know if it's for snarky liberals. It um, was it's, very sarcastic it's, all the way it's through. Very sarcastic, so I feel like yeah. yes, it was. Oh yeah, man, she I was she that. was very sarcastic <laughs> through it. I wasn't. It wasn't. I wasn't as big of a fan. I didn't enjoy the tone, so I was oh. kind of in and out listening so to nice. it. But um, I don't think she did as well on the, delivering with the sarcasm that as she did right. in the making science stupid, making science nicer, stupid. Oh my god, Make, making science my, stupid, making nice. stupid nicer, <laughs> <laughs> making stupid nicer. Stupid science, science is nice, you guys. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, it's called Space Exploration is the Worst. It was a TED talk that she gave to Indiana University. Um, and it was basically, uh, the topic was why NASA is integral to human caused climate change science. Um, and also, uh, how it's important for, I don't know, there's just, there was a lot of, a lot of different points that she was making. Um, I I feel like there were three, um, but that was kind of the main one, right? Yes. She talked about how the satellites um, do stuff. <laughs> See, I just I had a really hard time listening to it. The Jeez. one thing that I remember her talking about was internet accessibility mm-hmm. um, and trying to eradicate digital darkness around the world. Because when we talk when we say it's the World Wide Web, well, really it's not. It's it's web for those who it's can the afford it. First world country, right? Web. So so. Uh, I really appreciated that part of it and, and, and how um, space exploration contributes to um, furthering that cause. She also talked about, um, she brought in some politics, was uh, talking about some um, representative, I think, or senator who brought in a snowball uh, to prove yes. that climate change oh, wasn't yeah. a real thing. Um, <laughs> and uh, of course, that one, that person was a Republican because shenanigans. Yes, I remember that story. Um, she also talks about how private billionaires are getting into the space program and specifically mentioned um, Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos. Right. And also some guy from like, what is it, Virgin Airlines is launching Virgin yep. Galactic. And was this, so what, on YouTube, I think this video said it's, it was from 2015 or 2019? Uh, 15. 15? So it was... You know, a ways back that they've been planning this. They only just recently got into the news for yeah. launching themselves in a big giant space penis. Can I say? <laughs> can I say? Sorry. Can I say? Yes, this one uh, was done in 2015, and I feel like she really regrets. I don't know if she does or not, but I would regrets the fact that she did this one first, where she was very snarky and very kind of like, "You guys are stupid." Yeah. And then she, later, she turns around and is like, "Turns out." 
that's not helpful. <laughs> <laughs> because that the the making science nice or stupid was then in 2018. So she kind of she she did a little 180 for herself too. Everybody can learn, you guys. Yeah, that's everybody true. can make a mistake and everybody can come back from it. Well, and that's part of science too is making a theory, proving me- it wrong and then going, "Well, guess we'll move on from here. This is my new yeah. theory and we have to go with the data." Yep. Um I I thought you were going to say she she regrets like because she really sides hardcore with Elon Musk, I think, with uh his space program and things and I was just like I'm sorry. I have a, I'm just I do like as much as I favor the space program and keeping that around and exploring what we can do and advancing that technology. We do have a ton of problems here that private billionaires are contributing to. And sure. maybe we should use tax dollars for the space program and private billionaires shouldn't fucking exist. That's just my opinion. <laughs> that's, you know, that's a whole another issue. Where's, I will say Where's that TED Talk, Emily? Yeah. Seriously, Em. Now, I will say she made a good point in the um making STEM more accessible or whatever it was, the, the long video, um, where she said, you know, NASA, because it is government funded, has a lot of restrictions put on it by the legislation that funds it saying, well, you have to use this rocket production facility in Alabama, or you have to use this booster production facility in California or whatever. Like there are pet projects that people who vote on this legislation want to have included in the funding that restrict NASA's ability to find the absolute best way to do something. Yeah, and, and that saying, I do agree is absolute horseshit. Like let the right, and she was saying the these private these private billionaires can go outside of that. I mean, their restrictions are like make a profit, but they can go outside of the restrictions of government. And I was like, well, or we could just like stop putting stupid restrictions and let them come up with the best way to do something, and then find a way to fit that into our economy that helps us. Yeah, like. Right. Instead of instead of shaping the space program around what keeps jobs at a factory in Kentucky, maybe we could like find the best way and then make some jobs in Kentucky using. The, I, I don't know. It it seems like we're doing this backwards. Well, maybe if we had more senators who are background in STEM in the humanities instead of what they are, then we would have more solutions. Because she did make <laughs> no, it. No, I point, don't think that's it. She would make. She did make it a point <laughs> of saying that uh, about seven percent of Congress was. STEM background, yeah, um, as opposed to I assume legal degrees and law backgrounds. No, no, not legal oh, either. Really? Mm-mm. I mean, there's uh, more of them that are lawyers. There's a lot of them that are lawyers, but what would you say that the few. what would you say the background is in? Let's see, the majority congressional. Of, I want to say business education. Yep. Emily Calandrelli has a really wonderful point that they are not. Um, well-versed in STEM and that it might be important going forward when they're addressing issues like internet right um neutrality if, and things like that if that uh can I say John if that section ends up getting cut because I feel like it's going to get really dry just listening to us list off stuff but um maybe you could put like a put it at the end or or just interject cause it, do, you, do you have the ability to interject be like here's Here's the part where we talk about the, the backgrounds of the 111th uh, Congress, their educational backgrounds and their you can professions. Use that clip that Jesse just gave you. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I yeah, believe just, I have the ability to do that. Use that clip and then just splice it in and say, "This is where we talk about <laughs> that stuff," and 
um, if you care, you can you can look it up on Wikipedia. <laughs> I'll put it in. I'll make sure that it gets in the in the show notes. Yeah, it's fascinating. It is fascinating. I never thought to look that up before, and so thank you, Emily Calandrelli, for uh, forcing us to take a closer look at who are making the decisions about our education system and um, why Netflix canceled your show. <laughs> yeah, I think overwhelmingly it, it feels like it's got to be political because there's yeah. no other reason. Now, to like, be clear, yeah. we are in the 117th Congress, just for anybody that cares to look all that up. That was about the 111th. That's just a snapshot of what Congress looks like generally, not necessarily right this second. It yeah. changes because every two years... Well, I did watch some, um, she had some science, or not science, Space Gal episodes on YouTube. Oh. It seems like these are just her talking about some different experiments that you can try. Um, so maybe the basis for a lot of where her show came from. Um, yeah. Because this one that I watched was called, uh, it was something about the center of mass, and she was just sitting in front of her couch, and the audio quality was uh, probably very much like our audio quality. <laughs> and, you know, it was just her getting, you know, getting her stuff out there. Um, but basically, she's a sorceress because what she does, she's talking about the center of mass and how you can um, observe it by uh, putting a, a fork and a spoon together. You know, like you kind of clip the spoon into the tines of the fork. And then you rest it on a match, and then you rest the match on the cup on a on a glass, like an what? eight ounce glass, and it, and and it talks about how the center of mass isn't always in the center. Like sometimes it can be outside of its, whatever I don't know okay, science please terms. Okay, that in the show notes so I can find it. I will because it was fascinating, and I wanted to do it immediately, but uh, my kid was asleep, and I thought if I set the house because then she not only did she do that but then she was like okay now light the match on fire from both ends so she so she lights the match on fire from both ends and it still stays she even picked the glass up and everything still stayed put no yes yes she's yes i was like oh you better hide those matches girl somebody's gonna burn you at the stake so she did all of this crazy stuff and I was fascinated. I wanted to try it, but I was afraid I would burn the house down. <laughs> I mean, you could do all the stuff except light the match on fire. Like, yeah, I know. I, that's what I thought later. Like, I should have just done it and then but who's going to get that far and then not light it on fire? You can't introduce with fire. You can't no. You can't so introduce fire into a situation <laughs> and then not do that by the way when you watch that video you should see the the just the pure delight in her face when she lights the match <laughs> because she's, because she's as we discussed before blowing shit up is really fun shout out yes. to my ninth grade science teacher <laughs> so anyway i watched that one i didn't watch any of the other space gals because by then the nap time was over and i had to go be a parent again but um but i i Based on that one, I think it would be really fun to watch, especially, again, if you have older kids and you're able to um, stuff try on these fire. experiments right, and light stuff on fire and, you know, you, you can reasonably assume that your kids won't burn their fingers <laughs> off, then go for well, it uh, because anyway. 
yeah, because she has a real way of, of talking, uh, talking about this and talking about science that I think kids will really appreciate. Um, so if you're missing her, just know that there are things on YouTube that you can go to. Yeah. So was there <laughs> another video? Sorry, no. Was there another video by Emily, or was that it that we all... I mean, I, I watched the STEM one, and then Those math, were the only three I watched. And the Making Science Nice or Stupid. And you guys yeah. watched the literate. What? So, so far, I don't really know what the STEM literacy uh, YouTube video was about. That's the math one, and she... This is, I can't do math or I don't do math. And she's basically talking about how it's so weird. And I've heard this before. It's so weird that, that that's an acceptable way to be, to just say, I don't do math. I can't do math. I'm bad at math. When, like, you wouldn't go around the world talking about, like, oh, I, I'm illiterate. I can't read. Like, I beg to differ. I have high school students who do that <laughs> oh, all the time. Okay. Their prefrontal cortex is not fully developed. Um, when they're older, they'll be ashamed to say they can't read. Um, but like generally speaking, we prize skills, but when it comes to math, for some reason, it's perfectly acceptable to just say, oh, I'm terrible at that. And I don't, I, I have done nothing to fix it and I don't care to. And she, then she goes on to talk about like STEM literacy in the world is, is becoming more and more necessary because our world is quickly developing into a STEM world. I mean, we have all this technology, we have all this stuff, and, like, you have to be able to, to navigate the Internet and all that. And then, then she gets into, like, the legislation about, <clears throat> like, it's important for our representatives to understand STEM, and less than 7% or 7% of them, only 7% of them have a degree in STEM. Right. That doesn't necessarily mean that the ones that don't have, you don't have to have a degree in STEM to be STEM literate. Um, like you can understand the Internet of Things or right, the... but it's more likely to make you less STEM phobic if you understand. Right. Yeah. If you, and if she kind of talked about how basic understanding. Yeah, how it's very odd that we have like a climate, like a lot of climate denialism in the House and Senate when that's that's pretty settled science in the STEM world, um, and in the scientific community, it's pretty settled um, that man-made climate change is real. And that we need to do something about it, but there's just so many people in the world and, and in our government that deny it. And she just sort of talks about that and why that is and how we can, how we need to increase STEM literacy to address those kinds of issues because there's a lot of big hurdles coming up that we're going to have to address as a society, as a world, that STEM literacy is important for. And right. that it's no longer acceptable to just say, oh, I don't understand that stuff and move on with your okay. life. You need to understand it. Yeah. Okay. That doesn't mean going and getting a master's degree from MIT like Emily. That <laughs> just means uh, working to understand the, the things in, in the world. Right. And buying... And listening to the scientists. Right. And buying math for dummies like John. Absolutely. John, John, when you said that, I was like, that's not stupid. Last year, was it last year or the year before, I bought a basic math book because I was like... I, I thought the same thing. You know, when I was in school, I felt... Like, I couldn't, you know, I, I was one of those people who said, I can't do math. I'm not good at math. Um, finally, I think when I was in the ninth grade, 10th grade, there was a teacher who just, she had a, she took the time to, like, teach <laughs> and, yeah. and um, didn't f make kids feel like they were stupid and 
she worked with me and I, um, it was wonder, it was a wonderful feeling when I think that was like, uh, it was some kind of algebra that I was learning and it was awesome to be able to figure it out and, and do it on my own. Um, so I bought this math book because I thought, well, I, I did it once and now that I don't have the pressure of keeping a GPA up or, you know, making a grade to be able to pass a, a class, I, 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 I really need to look back into this because I want to be able to help my kids when they have, you know, homework that they're not sure of how to do or just be able to, like, you know, do a basic equation again. <laughs> I think when people say, I did my own research, that's part of doing your own research is, like, if you can do the math behind <laughs> what it took to go into that or if you can at least kind of understand where they're coming from with that math then okay <laughs> right but you're using a math book that you know is written by mathematicians and people who know these things not just like googling right random youtube videos of your great aunt telling you how math is silly <laughs> how your uncle jim tells you that you know one ballpoint, ballpoint pen pins. plus two <laughs> gel pens equals nasa <laughs> nasa <laughs> Damn it, Uncle Jimmy. Anyway, he's very <laughs> smart, and he's probably still laughing about that. That jerk. Anyway. John, did you watch another one? You said you watched four. Uh, yes, but I pretty much talked about all of them. Uh, the Making Science Nicer Stupid, I Don't That's Do right. Math, Space Exploration is the Worst, and Exploring STEM Literacy. Okay, um, so we've got And Exploring STEM Literacy isn't... It's, it's an okay... Listen, it's not it's not one of the top top three, I would say. Right. Definitely in the top four that I listen to. Because okay. there's only four. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she has some others out there. She has one where she's interviewed um, by a couple of people who have their own YouTube channel. Um, I'm trying to find it. I can't can't seem to find. But if you if you Google like her TEDx talks, um, it it'll probably pop up. Um, yes, but she so there's lots of material out there um, for her, and there's lots of YouTube is good at you know like if you liked this, you'll probably like this. So yeah, you could go down the Emily Calandrelli uh, rabbit hole on YouTube. Yeah. Um, yeah. So basically, the point being. She's very good. She knows what she's doing about being a science communicator. And honestly, I feel like we should try to keep her show around. Yes, so, I agree. Yeah, I do too. You know, Ooh, here's one. Sorry. No, you can you're make good. yourself one of the smart kids. This one is... Oh. Um, it's a little too promising. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, wait. This is an article. It's an interview. I thought it was a video because it had a video. Now you need to link it in the show notes. I will have to link it in the show notes, but yes. Um, So she's got lots of material. She's got YouTube videos. She's got articles. um, And hopefully, you know, if the petition for her show doesn't work out um, for Netflix, hopefully she can start a different... Wouldn't it be cool if she could start, like, her own science network? That would be awesome. Or, you know, Bill Nye, you should hook up with Emily and get that going. Because, you know, Bill Nye has the Absolutely. clout. Yes. I believe and that she said she worked with Bill Nye. 
She did. She did. She, did. So, yeah. she worked with Bill Nye on the Bill Nye Saves the World Netflix series, which has mm-hmm. three seasons, unlike her show, Just Say. Yeah, no, where's um, Bill Nye when you really need him? I mean, clearly they're friends. Like, hook up with Bill Nye. In a Get out of the way. love shack, Bill Nye. Do you remember that? Wait, Is, wasn't that his know. one of his theme songs? The love shack. Am I totally Was wrong? It? Did I, I like remember. just make that up? I mean, that's a real song, so you had to have paid royalties if it is. But okay, I'm looking it up. <laughs> There's well, so much anyway, weird shit so... that I'm gonna have to link in the show. I know. <laughs> Move on. So Emily and and Bill and I need to get together and make like a network or a show happen outside of Netflix. But uh, if Netflix doesn't continue her stuff, there's lots of content out there. And hopefully if you listeners go and patronize that content, even though it's free, the more clicks, she'll keep producing it and and putting that good out into the world. Because I think she has a lot of really good information and insight to share for the kids and for the adults. We all need a little more STEM in our lives. Can I, can I share what I found and then we can wrap up. Yes, of of course. Bill Nye the Science Guy Wikipedia uh, says damn it, I lost it. Where did you go? No. I think it was a parody. No! I had it! There was something, it's it's a parody song um, of the B-52's The Love Shack. Um, I think it was called Bloodstream. They were talking about blood the bloodstream, so maybe that's where I got it. I don't remember now. Oh goodness. Well, well, this part's definitely getting cut. Yeah, go ahead and cut it. <laughs> but it, there's a YouTube video. Can I play it? Can you guys hear it? You're in a blood vessel by the side of a vein that means you're right in the middle of the bloodstream. Oh my. <laughs> This is what I was thinking about. <laughs> There's a YouTube video. I can link that. <laughs> oh, boy. Now we're not going to have the doodlies out because we're going to be, like, doing the Love Shack doodly do. Love Shack. There's something to get together. Thank you. Yes. Oh, man. I'm not being paid to remember lyrics right now, so. No, okay. So so Emily's Wonder Lab, we give it a a ten for ten should be renewed. Nine out of ten, pretty good watching for kids. Emily's content pretty good watching for adults, even not the kid friendly stuff. She dresses emotions when they when they pop up in the show. That was yes. good. Work and mess and all. I, I yeah. I think that it gets high marks in, in most yeah. of the uh, in most of the criteria. Diversity. Um, I think she does a good. She. It was on track to become a really well done kids show. And she's clearly got the the chops for science communicating based on her other content. So, guys, for the last time, I won't say it again, but please go. Go sign the petition. Try to try to keep that show on Netflix. And if it's not on Netflix, hopefully that petition will get some traction somewhere else. Mm. And we will have some more Emily's Wonder Lab because it's pretty great. The end. The end. <laughs> We're also getting the tired. And not invented for space. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like an Uncle Jimmy. 
<laughs> I'm gonna doodly us out, okay? Do do doodly do 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 sorry. Went full circus on you guys. There you was did go full circus. Today. That was what I do. <laughs> oh, God. There was an ice cream truck. It's not my fault. <laughs> anyway. All right. All right. And cut.